Hello, brethren. Brother Bob here again. In light of the disgustingly immoral direction that our government schools are taking, I want to go back and discuss the biblical commandment that tells church-age believers not to be bound together with, i.e. legally or spiritually joined together with, or legally or spiritually partnered up with, or legally or spiritually in agreement with unbelievers. Now, there are numerous ways, besides having your children in today's disgusting, immoral government schools, that believers can be sinfully bound together with unbelievers. One way is through being involved in a committed spiritual relationship or worship service with people who are not saved. In the Apostle Paul's day, this was happening when some of the newly converted Gentile Christians continued to be involved in their past pagan religious practices while also being involved in Christian church practices. Another way that this sinful believer-unbeliever joining together happens is when a believer in Christ agrees to go into or be involved in a legally binding business partnership with an unbeliever. Being bound with an unbeliever in this way can be the result of a believer starting up a business with an unbeliever or agreeing to help out to pay for the finances of an unbeliever who has a business or, or it can even involve a believer marrying an unbeliever because that is definitely a legal binding partnership the Bible calls this union of a believer and an unbeliever an unequal yoking. And contrary to what you've been taught, the good Lord considers, considers it a sin when any child of his chooses to be bound together with an unbeliever. Now, I guess there are situations where you can be forced to be bound. If you're a believer, be forced to be bound with an unbeliever. Well, that's out of your hand. In God's eyes, it's a sin when you have the option and you willfully choose to be in agreement or bound together with an unbeliever. So I'm aware that on rare occasions there are ways that God's people can be forced into this unequal yoking, and God's aware of that. He's a gracious God. Again, the accountability to God for being in this relationship with an unbeliever is when you choose to do this. So a simple example of this is if a Christian man chooses to marry a woman who is not a believer, he is in sin. He is choosing to bind himself in a spiritual and legal situation that is against God's commandment. So on the other hand, if a, a Christian young lady is kidnapped in some country where Christians are persecuted and she's forced to become the wife of an unbeliever, she's not doing a sinful thing. It's not her choice to do that. She's being forced to do that. God looks down at that in a gracious way. So again, just to clarify, an unequal yoking between a believer and a lost person occurs anytime there is a willful, legal, and or spiritual partnership or legal agreement between the two parties. So now listen to me, brethren. This is pretty simple stuff, but listen anyways. If a believer is living with a woman in sin and she's not saved, it's a sin already. If a believer is living with this unsaved woman in sin and decides to marry her, marriage is a good thing. It's better than being a fornicator. But in this situation, if you're a believer and you marry an unbeliever, you're still in sin. Two wrongs don't make a right. There used to be a time in the church when Bible-believing Christian leaders refused to marry two people who were unequally yoked 
i.e. one person was a believer and one person was not. I am afraid that for the most part that biblical practice has fallen by the wayside like so many other of God's commandments. Another way that believers become bound together with unbelievers is when they allow themselves to be united or to be in agreement with anything to do with the secular realms of psychiatry and or psychology. Brethren, there's nothing God-honoring, i.e. Bible-based, in any aspects of the psychiatric arenas. Anything and everything pertaining to the foundational beginnings of psychiatry and psychology were based on the belief that there is no such thing as a creator God and that human beings are not created in the likeness of God. You understand that? In my opinion, with my many years of experience and knowledge of what goes on in the psychiatric psychology realms, I think those two types of practices are no more than modern voodooism. It's witchcraft, legal witchcraft, where people are able to be used like experimental animals as these quacko psychiatrists give their patients experimental drugs, hoping that one of these drugs will help their patients deal with their sin issues. Now, they're not going to call it sin issues. Instead, the psychiatrists and psychologists are going to use the acceptable term mental illness. See, they call these sin issues mental illnesses because they don't believe in the spiritual realm. Now, I don't want to get sidetracked on this whole psychiatry, psychology field because it'll just get me fired up. It's a, again, like I said before, it's legalized Buddhism is what it is. But sadly, over the years, the church, just as it has done with other secular worldly practices, has incorporated the terms psychiatrists and psychologists into the Christian realm and relabeled them Christian, quote, quote, Christian psychiatrists and, quote, quote, Christian psychologists while still keeping all the secular doctrines and beliefs from the psychiatric realm in place. Brethren, even if there wasn't a commandment about not being bound together with unbelievers, it would be sinful for believers to be under the power and authority of these psychiatric wackos anyways. God wants you to treat your sin spiritually with the Word of God, with the Holy Spirit, with prayer, not with psychiatric poisons that they call medicines. I'll share a little bit more about this psychiatric and Christian unequal yoking later on. I share all this with you so you get a good idea what it means to be sinfully bound or joined together with unbelievers. Remember, our Lord commands his people to come out of these types of believer, unbeliever, legal or spiritual relationships because he does not want his children spiritually corrupted or spiritually polluted by the ways of unbelievers. A little side note. Now in the Old Testament, the Lord solved, quote, quote, solved this problem of his children possibly being spiritually corrupted by the pagan nations around them by destroying these pagan nations. Yes, the good Lord cares more about his children's spiritual holiness and well-being than he does about the pagans who reject him. Keep in mind that in the Old Testament, if a non-Jew person or a group of people who are non-Jews wanted to be part of God's people in the nation of Israel, they, the Gentiles, had to literally denounce their old pagan Gentile religious practices and literally choose to be involved in the Mosaic laws that God gave the people through Moses. Doing this did not make a Gentile a Jew. It simply allowed a Gentile the opportunity to participate in the religious system of the Jews. It also saved your life. 
because God killed the pagans. This new Gentile convert to Judaism would no longer be considered an unbeliever by fellow Jews, but a believer. Now again, I didn't give you every situation where a believer can be sinfully bound or joined together with unbelievers. There are other ways. You can figure some out for yourself. But the focus of this podcast is about the way God's people are in sin for allowing themselves to be bound together or unequally yoked to unbelievers, and specifically as it pertains to Christian parents having their sweet, naive children bound together legally and spiritually with unbelievers when they dump their innocent, sweet children in today's anti-God government schools. Allow me to better explain what it means to be unequally yoked. Maybe I have to tell you that. An unequally yoked wagon-pulling team of oxen or whatever it was had one stronger ox and one weaker ox. It was unequally yoked. Or if there was one taller ox or one shorter ox, that hitch on that wagon was unequally yoked. Unequally yoked happens also when you hitch up an ox and a horse or an ox and a donkey together to pull a wagon. It just doesn't work. The weaker or shorter ox would walk more slowly than the taller ox, causing the wagon to go in circles. When oxen are unequally yoked, they cannot perform the task set before them. Just as it does not work with a horse and an ox hitched together, because the horse normally has longer strides and moves faster. Now, even though the term unequally yoked normally pertains to the literal physical realm, there is application for being unequally yoked in the legal and spiritual sense also. The biblical issue with born-again children being unequally yoked, i.e. hitched up together with unbelievers, is that even though the believer and the unbeliever are sinners, the new believer in Christ has become a new or different creature in Christ because of their faith in the gospel of Christ. So metaphorically, the believer is a different type of quote-unquote animal than the lost person. This is why the Bible calls the hitching together of believers and unbelievers an unequal yoking. You see, as a new creature in Christ, you realize that you have a new and different thought process in your mind. As a new creature in Christ, your brain becomes supernaturally wired differently than it was before you got saved. Once a person becomes a child of God, their new Heavenly Father starts the supernatural process of reprogramming and then enlightening them to his biblical standards. You see, the Lord of the Scriptures has moral standards for how his children should live their earthly lives. The world does not. And the Lord of the Scriptures has legal standards for how his children should live their earthly lives. The world does not. And the Lord of the Scriptures has spiritual standards for how his children should live their earthly lives. The world does not. So this is why God doesn't want his people united or tied together or bound together with the people who do not think like new creatures in Christ. So again, metaphorically, a new believer in Christ literally becomes a new type of human animal in their thinking. A new creature in Christ is not the same type of quote-unquote human animal that they were before they got saved. The good Lord knows for the most part that unbelievers do not have the same holy and just standards that he has. So God realizes that the amoral or immoral standards and practices of unbelievers are not the types of behaviors that he wants his children to be joined or bound to. The Lord knows that if a child of his is in a business partnership with unbelievers, the tendency is going to be for this believer to be pushed and shoved to go the selfish ways of the world and 
do whatever it takes to come out on top or make lots of money. For the most part, and because they are not new creatures in Christ, unbelievers have no issues with lying, cheating, backstabbing, gossiping, stealing, etc., 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 in order to accomplish their goals or to make a buck. Now, the good Lord doesn't have a problem with his children making money. It's how they make the money that matters to him. So it should not be a believer's goal in life to claw or stab or cheat his way to the top. And the Bible warns that bad company corrupts good morals. So even if you have good intentions as a Christian, you get yourself in a situation with an unbeliever, business situation, or a marriage situation, problems are going to ensue. The Lord knows that if a child of his is bound together with an unbeliever in any area that compromises their biblical convictions, pretty soon they, the believer, is going to start to sound, act, and behave just like the world. And this corruption of good morals doesn't just happen in the business realm. realm it also happens in the marriage realm. If you're a, if you're a believer married to an unbeliever and, and that unbelieving spouse drags you off to their false religion and you sit there long enough and start to listen to that stuff, there's a possibility you're going to be corrupted by the teachings of them unbelievers. I can show you testimony for testimony of people who were led astray from the truth of God's word by allowing themselves to be joined together with false religions. Now, maybe you weren't aware of it, brethren, but the Lord doesn't want his children going into churches that are not true born-again churches. He doesn't want his children in churches that are going to teach false doctrines and false teachings and false gospels. I myself am an ex-Catholic. When I got born again and started sharing my faith with people in that Catholic church, I actually got kicked out of it because they don't want me talking about the free gift of salvation. They don't want me to be telling people that sacraments have gone, have nothing to do with getting saved. But I got I got booted out of that Catholic religion. The Lord doesn't want you in there listening to them false teachings. And I was the first person in my Catholic heritage for thousands of years. So when I got born again, I was the black sheep of the family. I mean, I I, I understood the Lord didn't want me in that Catholic building. And uh, my family members didn't take that very well. But too bad. I was living my life to please the Lord and not my family. Now, sadly, today, a lot of believers cave into the pressures of their unsaved family members by participating in rituals in these unsaved churches because they don't want to offend anybody. They don't want people to be mad at them, so they compromise their faith. Brethren, in God's eyes, a born-again believer is unlike any other person on this planet. A born-again believer is the only person on this green earth who is truly a child of God. Now, all humans are sinners. No one on this planet is or gets born again because they are a better person than a lost person. Even with that said, once a person gets born again, i.e. becomes a child of God, the Lord desires that new child of his to be different and separate from the ways, practices, and religions of the world. Titus chapter 2, verse 11, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation to all men, instructing believers to deny ungodliness, and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and appearing of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us for every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people for his own possession, zealous for good works. A new believer, both literally and spiritually, becomes royalty in their heavenly Father's kingdom. They become royalty 
to their heavenly Father, who is the King of all kings and the God of all gods. And being that a believer does become part of the royal family of God, God expects his children to live according to his royal and kingly rules and regulations, i.e. commandments. Children of heavenly royalty should not be joined together with people who are not part of the heavenly royal family. Now that might sound arrogant or prideful, but it's what God wants for his royal children. We are to be separate and come out from amongst the unbelievers. And again, I can say what I just said because that's what the New Testament church epistles command believers to do. Let me read it again. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 14. Do not team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? What harmony can there be between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? And what union can there be between God's temple and the temples of idols? For we are the temple of the living God. And God said, I will live in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, come out from amongst the unbelievers and separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things. Don't do their filthy ways and I will welcome you. I will be your father, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. And because, brethren, we have these promises, let us cleanse ourselves from everything that can defile our body or our spirit, and let us work toward complete holiness because we fear the Lord. Brethren, it's not okay to just obey these commandments and these verses. The Lord is quite aware that his children will have to be with or work with or be by or exist amongst unbelievers in one manner or another. That's not what this verse is talking about. Doing that is not an issue with the Lord so long as the believer is not allowing the lost person that they are working with or working under or working for to corrupt their biblical morals. And this does happen, unfortunately. God is aware that sometimes his children are going to be forced to be in a working relationship with lost people. Sometimes a child of God simply has to put up with lost people who are crude, vulgar, and immoral. Especially back in Christ's day if you were a Christian slave. Fortunately, most Christians today have the freedom to walk away from a work environment that is having an ungodly influence in their lives. Yes, in this day and age, very few believers are forced to work in a work situation or work environment that is ungodly. Most believers have the freedom to quit a job when they are forced to participate in ungodly behaviors. That is, unless you are a believer who is legally bound by a contract or other legal papers to an employer or to a fellow business partner. This is why the Bible says do not be bound together with unbelievers. So that means as a believer, don't put yourself in a legal or spiritual situation that you can't walk away from without there being consequences. Now again, if you're forced into an unequal yoke, like let's just say you get drafted and you're forced to join the military and you're forced to sign your name on the dotted line says that Uncle Sam owns you and that you are their property and you need to do what they tell you and you can't walk away from this without going to jail. I mean, you, you can be forced into a situation. Again, I've already explained that. The, the Lord isn't having an issue with somebody that is forced into an unequal yoke. It's the people who choose to do it that he has a problem with. So again, here's the verse, 2 Corinthians 6.14. Don't choose to team up with those who are unbelievers. How can unrighteous and righteous be working together? How can light live with darkness? 
What harmony is there between Christ and the devil? How can a believer be a partner with an unbeliever? Those are rhetorical questions. It means you can't be a partner with an unbeliever, at least not to be a partner and to be righteous in God's eyes. Now I share all this because I want to focus on the topic of Christian parents dumping their children into the government schools. Now, let me just say right off the bat that if you are putting your children in a government school, you are legally bound to that school system. I mean, I'm not going to get into debate. This is like factual, factual, factual stuff. When you choose to put your children in a government school, the school says, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, if something happens to you, we will become the guardians of your children. And it's to the point now, brothers and sisters, you know that, where the schools are showing that they have more authority over the children than even the parents do. That's happening all over the world. So we know that's going on. But you are legally bound to the state government when you choose to put your kids in a government school. And again, again I'm not going to get into a bait about it, but just try keeping your kids home from a government school without telling anybody. Don't write any letters. Don't make any phone calls. Just keep your kids home. And see, I'm going to tell you two or three days, the police and the social workers will show up. And then when they find out that you're one of them wacko Christian people who are against gay marriage and against transgender stuff, before you know it, they'll be taking your kids away and, and you're going to be in trouble. So it's not debatable that your children are bound to the state, whatever state you're in their government school system, when you put them in a government school. Not debatable. But even if there wasn't a legal aspect of being bound together with the state government schools, there's the spiritual aspect. Now, unless you've been sleeping under a rock, and not the rock, capital R rock, but just a regular old rock, you already are quite aware how disgustingly evil and vile and wickedly immoral America's government-run schools have become. And yet 90% of Christian parents, that's right, 90% of Christian parents, not pagan parents, not atheistic parents, but Christian parents are still choosing to dump their sweet, innocent, naive children into these government-run, socialistic, immoral, amoral cesspools. Again, if you have more spiritual wisdom than a toad, you know there's a spiritual war going on for your children. There's a spiritual demonic force behind the scenes that wants your children's minds. That's why they teach them of evolutionary stuff. All they are is animals, survival of the fittest. They teach them all these political things. They teach them anti-God stuff, anti-parent stuff. They teach them it's okay to, to kill your babies. It's okay to be on Ritalin and these drugs. It's all kinds of demonic teachings and doctrines and principles going on in these government schools. Again, a person doesn't have to be a Bible scholar to see how wicked and vile these schools are. It's a spiritual mess in these schools. And yet, Christians ignore the aspect of not being bound together with unbelievers. So there's a double wickedness for Christian parents who put their kids in these government schools. It's legally binding yourself to the state government, and it's spiritually binding yourself, putting yourself under the authority of these government-run school teachings. Brethren, we pulled our kids out of them schools 30 years ago, and the schools are 100 times worse today. Just so you know, I'm letting you know this, so I want you to know that the wife and I put our money where our mouth is on this topic. We taught all of our little ones at home, right from the crib, right through high school. And it wasn't a difficult decision to make because we loved our kids 
more than we loved ourselves or our stuff. And because we loved our children more than ourselves or our stuff, we sure didn't want to have them spending six hours a day being indoctrinated by the wicked, immoral people in charge at the government's anti-God schools. Again, if you have more brains, spiritual brains than a toad, you already know that in today's government schools, your sweet little babies are going to be required to participate in all kinds of vile, evil, hedonistic, demonic debauchery. And it's not hyperbole to say that what's going on in these government schools is satanic. My God, do you realize how spiritually dead and blind you have to be to not see the demonic wickedness that's being pushed in these government schools these days? The Lord commands his people to not be joined together, i.e. bound together legally or spiritually, with unbelievers. If you are a Christian parent, you need to see that you are committing sin by simply having your children bound to the secular, anti-God government school systems without regard to the sinful stuff that they are teaching. If you don't see that, then you truly have calluses on your spiritual heart. Now, as much as it disgusts me to say this, I am going to say it anyways because I know it's true. I believe that there are actually Christian parents who do see how vile and wicked and, and evil the government schools are, and yet, because they love their stuff, i.e. nice big homes or homes or houses or cottages or cars or careers or friends or money more than their children, they are more than willing to sacrifice their children on the altar of demonism and paganism at these government school systems. And again, if you don't think Satan has a hand in what's going on in these government schools, I doubt if you're even saved. I promise you that any Christian parents who choose to dump their sweet little innocent children in today's demonic anti-God government schools, for whatever reasons, will have a very, very, very bad day at the judgment seat of Christ. In fact, there's a very good possibility that any Christian parents who choose to dump their children into the government's evil public educational cesspools will be kicked out of God's kingdom in eternity. Matthew 18 verses 4 through 7. Whoever then humbles himself as his child, he is great in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him to have a heavy millstone hung around his neck and to be drowned in the depth of the sea. Woe to the world because of its stumbling blocks. For it is inevitable that stumbling blocks will come. But woe to that man or woman, through whom the stumbling block comes. Here's a double rebuke for all you believers who dump your children in today's anti-God public schools, who think that you and the Lord are abiding together. You are both spiritually blind and spiritually deceived. If you are a Christian parent who's dumping your sweet, innocent children in today's anti-God, immoral, wicked, evil, vile government schools, you're not hearing words from the Lord as you profess. Listen to me. If God was speaking with you, which he's not, he would be in your face telling you how ashamed he is of you because of what you are doing with your little children. If God was literally speaking with you, which he's not, he would be in your face telling you how he's clearly commanded, yes, commanded, that you not be legally or spiritually bound or joined together with unbelievers. And yet, he will continue to rebuke you as you tell, as he tells you, you continue to completely ignore his holy and sacred commandments on this topic. If God was literally speaking with you, which he's not, he would be in your face telling you how ridiculous 
How ridiculous it is to assume that he's speaking to you in supernatural spiritual words of wisdom when you're choosing to ignore the basic truths of his written word that are right in front of your face. God wouldn't waste his time giving you supernatural words because he knows that you don't even care enough about obeying the simple and basic truths of his written word that are already written down for you. Let me tell all you born-again spiritual cowards and lovers of the world who choose to dump your children into these anti-God, satanic government schools. Let me tell you something plain and simple. Those once sweet, innocent children of yours are being indoctrinated by Satan and his minions in those government schools. And mark my words, just as the scriptures prophesied, there will come a day when those once sweet, innocent children are going to become dehumanized, secular, atheistic agents for the anti-God government. And once that happens, if you have any amount of honest, open Christianity left in your life, those once sweet and naive children who have now been turned into immoral or amoral government entities are going to turn you into Big Brother faster than a winning lottery ticket. It won't even bother them. Those are the end times warnings from Christ. And the mostly spiritually dead church is definitely in the end times. Matthew 10, 21. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own children. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. Again, these are the end time words of Christ. Again, look out the window, brethren. If you have more spiritual discernment than a dead fish, you already know we're definitely in the end times. And it's not going to get any better unless the Lord returns and starts cleaning up this planet all himself. And I don't want to hear this BS about you're sending in your little six-year-old to be a, a warrior for Christ. Come on, give me a break. You're going to send your little sweet little six-year-old into the enemy camp to, to think she's going to fight against the forces of evil with what? Give me a break. This wicked, evil government school system is going to eat and chew up and spit out that little six-year-old girl without even batting an eye. This disgusting, evil government school system is going to spend six hours a day trying to get any sense of morality and decency and godliness out of that little six-year-old girl so they can turn her into a atheistic, secular robot so that in the future she can be used to fight against the godly, decent ways of the God of the Bible. Now I just want to jump back on this whole area of psychiatry and psychology for a minute because... As I've already shared, believers can find themselves bound together to unbelievers when they allow themselves to be joined or bound to any of the sinister tentacles of psychiatry. All aspects of psychiatric beliefs and medicines literally originated in the minds of secular people who were anti-God and most definitely anti-Bible. I personally believe that all aspects of psychiatry and psychology originated in the demonic world and are just one more spiritual tool that Satan uses to draw people away from the ways of the God of the Bible. There should not be one single believer on planet Earth who's involved with these psychiatric witch doctors, and yet a large percentage of God's people choose to be joined together with these psychiatrists or psychologists for the purpose of trying to help them overcome sin issues. Church, are you aware that those medicines, quote-quote medicines, that those quack psychiatrists give you, are not only amazingly harmful to your body, they're all experimental. The arena of psychology and psychiatry is not a medical field. It's a theoretical secular field full of thousands of humanistic opinions and speculations on how to treat mental, quote-unquote mental issues, and none of them work. They just cover up the sin issue that the people going there are having. 
Brethren, the good Lord never intended his people to be dealing with their sin issues with psychotropic drugs. Church, you need to understand that when you allow yourself to be treated, quote-unquote treated, by a psychiatrist, you are choosing to join yourself together with basically a non-medical person who is legalized to treat you with whatever psychotropic drugs they guess might help you. I've had first-hand experiences seeing once normal, healthy human beings turned into stupefied, zombie-like people because of the side effects of the psychiatric poisons that they were taking. Now, I call them poisons, they call them drugs, but they're poisons. Like I shared before, just pick yourself up a little desktop physician's def re desk reference book about medicines and you'll find the side effects and the warnings and the dangers of all these drugs. In fact, you can even find that online these days, information for all those drugs. So next time somebody that you know is on some kind of psychotropic drug, look it up online and just look at the scary side effects of these drugs that are being handed out to patients in the name of psychiatry. And by the way, if you choose to go to a psychiatrist for mental, quote-unquote, mental health, i.e. sin struggles, you most definitely will be required to sign legal papers which bind you, i.e. hitch you up to that psychiatrist's wagon. So if you are a believer and you're struggling with things like depression, anxiety, worry, anger, stress, and fear in general, those are sin issues. You need to deal with them on a spiritual level, not on a psychotropic level. Now, if you have medical reasons for having these depressions and anxieties, which is very seldom, but you might have a medical injury to your chemical balances in your body, well then go see a doctor. Don't go see a quacko psychiatrist. Now I'm quite aware that the church has religionized the secular humanistic originated field of psychiatry and psychology by putting the word Christian in front of the word psychiatrist or psychologist. Don't fall for that scam. There's absolutely nothing Christ-like in the foundational doctrines of psychiatry and psychology. The church did the same thing with the Catholic pagan-originated heathen celebration times of winter solstice and spring goddess Ishtar. The church religionized these pagan-originated days and renamed them Christmas and Easter while keeping many of the pagan practices tied to these pagan worship times. Anyways, I digress. Sadly, many of the doctors in the medical field practice medicine the same way that psychiatrists do. Sick people are very seldom given medicines that treat and heal the body. Sick people instead are many times given the latest and greatest experimental medicines, quote-unquote medicines, not because the doctors hope they work, but because the doctors make big pharma bucks selling these unnatural, non-healing experimental drugs to their patients. Yeah, the bottom line is try to, try to eat healthy. Try to eat stuff that's not processed, stay away from all those chemicals, and eat things the good Lord created to go in your body that are going to heal your body and not destroy it. So if you have a physical medical problem in your body or in your brain, find a good, try to find a good medical or holistic doctor to help you deal with these physical issues in a healthy way, not in a narcotic way. Again, never ever join or unite with a psychiatrist in order to allow them to treat your medical issues. If you are having psychological issues, their jargon, not mine, that means you are having spiritual problems, my opinion, not theirs. You see, from the Christian biblical perspective, having psychological issues literally means that you are having spiritual, i.e. sin struggle issues. Brethren, God's people are in sin when they try to treat their sin struggles with any kind of drug. 
psychiatric or otherwise. Galatians 5, 19-10, Now the deeds of the flesh are evident, which are immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery. The Greek word sorcery here means pharmakia. It means the use of medicines, drugs, or spells to administer poisons. And that's exactly what psychiatrists do. There's nothing medical in the psychiatric pills you're taking. They are all legalized experimental poisons. And if you doubt me when I, because I call psychiatric drugs poisons, just go online and look for a free physician's desk reference book. They're all over the place. And it will explain all the dangerous, poisonous side effects of these psychotropic pills that many people are taking or considering taking or considering to allow someone else you love to take. So instead of going to some pseudo-Christian psychiatrist or psychologist to deal with your spiritual problems, find yourself a godly man or woman of God who knows your scriptures very well and do as they tell you. Better than again, if you're having genuine hormonal or chemical imbalances, go to a holistic doctor for help. Try to stay out of them hospitals. Hospitals are some of the most dangerous places in the world to go for help. But above all, stay away from those voodoo psychiatrists and psychologists. The practices and beliefs of these quack psychiatrists and psychologists, even if they come with the title Christian, are of the world and not of God's written word. Isaiah 48:18 says, If only you had paid attention to my commandments, then your well-being would be like a river and your righteousness like the ways of a sea. Brethren, I hope you are aware that unless you have a genuine physical medical, i.e. physical body injury or genuine chemical or hormonal balance issue in your body, your reasons for feeling depressed or anxious or worrisome or angry are sin issues and should not be dealt with with psychotropic drugs. You deal with sin issues through confession and repentance. Psalm 1.1 says, Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked and join together with sinners or join in with mockers. But they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. The scriptures tell believers to come out from being bound or attached or hitched up to the ways and practices and pleasures and conveniences of the unbelievers of this world. And then I will be your father, and then you'll be true and honorable children of mine. Here are the verses, brethren. They're simple, they're plain. I didn't make them up. God gave them to us in his word. 2 Corinthians 6, 17-18 Therefore, my children, come away from being joined together with unbelievers. Separate yourselves from them, says the Lord. Don't touch their filthy things and their filthy ways, and I will welcome you. And I will be your father, and you'll be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Sadly, some of the most obvious unbiblical spiritual unions between believers and unbelievers, I mentioned some on my podcast, aren't even seen by the leaders in churches as being sinful anymore. Most church leaders have become so spiritually desensitized to the unbiblical, sneaky, slimy, deceptive ways of the world that they, the church leaders, no longer have a problem running their churches and feeding their sheep the unbiblical, evil ways and practices of this world. And worse yet, even those church leaders who are aware of the unbiblical evilness of some of the ways of this world creeping into the church, they don't have the spiritual stones, i.e. spiritual backbone, to openly expose this world's deceptively evil, secularistic ways and practices from the pulpit. So instead, they kowtow down to the politically correct practices of this world and willingly accept them into the house of the Lord, even to the point of teaching them as though they were from God himself. 
Isaiah 5.20 Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, who substitutes bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Your friend in Christ, Brother Bob. And remember, the only way to separate a biblical lie from a biblical truth is to know your scriptures.